I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash canadaland to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. Jan Wong, author and journalist. How you doing? Good. How are you, Jesse? I'm doing good. Today on the show, the special rapper is back with a hotly anticipated release. <laughs> but is it an uncredited collab with Justin Trudeau? Also, Olivia Chow, pre-election, is being crowned mayor of Toronto by the press, and I'm just finding that confusing. Welcome back to Shortcuts, Jan, where we talk shit about the news. Thanks. Glad to be here again. This episode is brought to everyone by Kaylee Weston, John Morton, Brandon Bertram, Millie Blackwell, Alexis Fineris, Sean Lukashuk, Michael Sajewski, and Glenn. Hi, my name is Glenn, and I work in climate change in Toronto. I've been a fan of Canada Land ever since discovering it one day walking my dog, and I've supported it ever since. It helps me stay connected to the stories that matter and the stories that I need to be paying attention to. I really appreciate the coverage and conversations that are always important and sometimes difficult to listen to. Keep up the great work. David Johnston says no to a public inquiry into foreign interference. After weeks of examining top secret documents and talking to dozens of people, the special rapporteur today ruled out a public inquiry. Canadians may never know the full details of intelligence. I recognize this report's conclusions would be met with skepticism by some. I committed uh, to listening very carefully and abiding by the recommendations. We see today that his ski buddy, cottage neighbor, family friend, and member of the Beijing-financed Trudeau Foundation came out and did exactly what I predicted. Are you surprised, Jen? Well, not really. I'm disappointed, but I'm not really surprised. 
I'm actually kind of surprised. I, I, I shouldn't be at this point, but the sheer shamelessness of it. Like, I, I really felt like this is so suspicious to appoint David Johnston, mm-hmm. given the family connection. It's not just that he's a member of the Trudeau Foundation and, and, and family friends of the Trudeaus, but, like, the conflict is like the Trudeau Foundation is part of this scandal. And so I felt like this is so stinky that it can only be a delay tactic because it's it's not going to be acceptable to give your buddy the job of investigating you and saying, oh, yeah, I clear my my buddy of all wrongdoing. I thought it was just a stalling tactic. So I actually was like, I was expecting like, yeah, of course, a public inquiry. It, it, it just, you know, but let's just drag it out a little bit so and hope the public stops caring. Oh, well, I expected total exoneration because he is the buddy. I guess, I guess you think two chess moves ahead and they only think one chess move ahead. So you're smarter. No, I'm too naive. I'm too believing. Well, it is kind of incredible that he appointed his ski buddy, as he's called. I mean, he's really a friend. And and then he says, well, I haven't had any contact with him for years. But you and I both know that if you were driving them home years ago, there's a certain bond there, right? So he should never have been appointed, never. But he was. And so I guess I'm not surprised. I mean, you're surprised because you're probably an idealist. And, you know, hope springs eternal. But... It's not surprising, and it's what a waste of time. I want to play you a clip of David Johnston being asked the question directly. Well, not so directly. The reporter was like, I, I don't know why we have to say this every time we ask the conflict of interest of question. It's like you have to do two paragraphs of like, of course you are the most honorable man, David <sighs> Johnston, who ever said foot on. Of course that we, you are beyond reproach. But then he finally gets to the question, which is like, He says, no one is suggesting that you are corrupt, but the appearance, the appearance, sir, of conflict of interest, surely that was a consideration. And this is what David Johnston said in response to that question. What I can say with respect to the allegations of an appearance of conflict of interest, I took the trouble of seeking a legal opinion from a retired (laughs) Supreme Court justice, that's Justice Frank Iacobucci. He was very clear that there's no conflict of interest with respect to the Trudeau obligation. So I have no doubt whatsoever that I had any conflict of interest and no doubt at all, speaking myself, about my impartiality or my ability to bring my record such as it is for you to judge as to whether I'm capable of carrying out an impartial and uh, um, inquiry based on integrity. Okay, so there's two people who David Johnston consulted with to find out whether or not he might be in conflict of interest or have the appearance of a conflict of interest. One was David Johnston. He's like, right. I checked, and I know that I'm reffing, you know, my, my brother-in-law's game here, but I really thought about it. Like, am I really going to tilt this? And I thought, nah, I'm a good guy. I'm not going to do that. I can be fair. But my favorite part of that is the first person he cites, you know? You know, yeah, maybe it looks like. Maybe it looks like I've got a conflict of interest. How could I find out for sure? Let me ask, I mean, who is better to ask than a retired Supreme Court justice, Yakabuchi? It reminds me of Clarence Thomas, the Supreme Court justice in the U.S., you know, wondering if it's okay for him to take those rides on the yacht and all these gifts. Can this rich billionaire renovate my mom's house? Can he buy my mom's house at above market value? And let me just ask a few people. Oh, they told me it's fine. I want to go back to what you said about the Canadian reporters, you know, bending over backwards to grovel. Can they not just ask 
a straightforward question. Instead of all this lace and frilly stuff at the beginning, I, that really irritates me when, when journalists <laughs> spend, you know, two minutes setting up their question and groveling. Just ask. This is a conflict of interest. How do you, how do you address this? And then his answer would have looked much weaker. Oh, well, I checked. I, I, I looked at myself and I said, no, I'm an honorable guy. This cannot be a conflict of interest. You know, you, you already set yourself up for failure when you ask questions like that. In his title, I mean, baked into his title says he's an independent special rapporteur. So they should have got someone with no ties at all. You know, he has too many ties. He was on the Pierre Trudeau Foundation. You know, he's friends with the family. So it's just bad. But I was thinking, you know, we've already heard what he said. And I was thinking, okay, let's flip this. Let's see, what would China think of this report? Is this what China would want? Well, they wouldn't want the report to say, yes, there is interference. So he did say that. But he said a bunch of other things. He said, you know, it's the media. They got it all wrong. And, uh, oh, and the government didn't do anything wrong, but it's the dumb spy service. They couldn't even get their emails, you know, transmissions straight. And, you know, it's, it's actually exactly what China would want. Let's keep this all secret. Let's not tell anybody anything. This is exactly what the Chinese government would want. Well, the whole thing is a mess from the beginning. As you point out, it's tainted from the beginning. And now we're going to sit through another, what, six months of agony as he holds some kind of emasculated public hearing on what happened that we can't tell you anything. The findings of this, like, and I'm reading here from Andrew Coyne's reaction. And Andrew Coyne has been like a nonstop permanent sputter like since this came out. Oh, but I like I like reading him. He's I enjoyed it. I do too. I, I, and sometimes sometimes you need him to just sputter, and, yeah. and it's almost like uh, in, in in Hamilton, the King of England, just like spraying the audience with uh, a <laughs> like how how is it possibly imagined that this could suffice? He's tweeting, and you know, he, but summarizing the findings, China did have a plan to funnel cash to 11 candidates. Like, no one is debating mm-hmm. that there was interference mm-hmm. and, and serious interference. The liberals' role in this, because all of this Chinese interference was to help the liberals, mm-hmm. like the position that puts them in, like, they have every reason to want to make this go away and, and to overlook this. And that is exactly what they're being accused of. You know, the limited focus of the special rapper's mission here is simply, like, did the government knowingly stall, fail to act on this information. Like, this is not what exactly happened to our democracy. It was this limited question. And the answer we got from David Johnson is not necessarily conclusively that the government was innocent. It's that he just doesn't have the evidence. Exactly. He doesn't have the evidence. And how did he collect evidence? Well, he went to the prime minister and the ministers and said, hey, did you fail to act did Bill Blair fail to act? And they're all like, no, I didn't fail to act. I just didn't get around to it. And then Aaron O'Toole has a piece saying, this guy didn't even ask me or any conservatives about what we think happened. And we're the ones who are harmed by this Chinese interference. Yes, yes. Until like the last week. And, and his report was already being translated into French. Yes. It was a done deal. It and was he was just ticking off a box at that point. Very damning. Very damning. And... I, I get that the opposition is being ornery and they're not cooperating fully, but you just got to stop everything and wait for them. Pierre Polyever, and I'm the last person to defend Pierre Polyever, but, you know, they did send him a few letters and then they gave him two days and he didn't do it. It's like journalism. If you want to get their side, 
you have to put on the brakes, stand by their door. You got to doorstop them and say, I got to talk to you. You know, you can't just go, oh, well, oh, well, I sent three emails. Like if my students said that to me, my journalism said, I sent three emails. I I would be yelling at them. Like, what good is that? I only want to know if you got to them. And so he didn't do the basics of any investigation, which is to talk to the other side. That's a very good point. That's a very good analogy, especially because one person who Johnston does come to a conclusion about is the media, that the media overreacted. Oh, the, the media is that to blame. Made me so but, mad. but that's a great analogy. Like when you are, and sometimes, you know, it's possible in journalism that you get really into crafting a certain narrative. For whatever reason, you're putting together this one narrative, you've got copious information from one side. And the question is like, look, if you're doing this right, you really have to make every effort Mm -hmm. to get the other side of the story. An editor would never have published that story without getting the other side. They would have just said, we have to get the other side. And depending on whether or not you're in good faith or not, like you can, as the last thing you do, send an email and say, hey, do you want to comment on this? Oh, sorry, time's run out. We're running it. Or you can really actually try. And actually trying means like you didn't respond to the email. I, I'm, I'm going to call you up on the phone. I yeah. can't get you on the phone. I'm showing up at your house. Exactly. You, you ask for some extra time to answer the questions. I'll give you the extra time. Exactly. That might complicate the narrative that you've been mm-hmm. putting together. But do you want it to be accurate? It really doesn't seem like this guy wanted it to be ac- accurate. Well, you have to also be beyond reproach, right? We know when we do stories, if we didn't talk to the other side, then you have a problem. And and he doesn't understand the fundamentals that your whole report is suspect if you didn't talk to the other side or the other sides. So he just goes ahead and goes, well, I'm going to just send it to the printer. <laughs> this is so bad. And I didn't get to the punchline, Jan. David Johnston turning to retired Supreme Court Justice Yakabuchi to say, hey, I used to be involved in the Trudeau Foundation. Do I have an appearance of conflict of interest? And Yakabuchi goes, no, you're good. You're good, buddy. The problem was that Yakabuchi was a mentor with the Trudeau Foundation. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Oh, that's good. <laughs> you cannot make this up. How come he didn't call you and ask you? David Johnson should have said, hey, Jesse, <laughs> is this a conflict of interest? Are you going to do a podcast on me after I put out the report? And you would have said, yeah. He should have asked you. I am not beyond reproach. I am. I don't have the right credentials. I am not a retired justice of the court, nor have I ever been involved with the Trudeau Foundation. So obviously I don't <laughs> have the proper CV to have an opinion on this. I'm joking, but like it, you can't make this stuff up because the first guy to write a oh, report I didn't on Chinese that. interference was Morris Rosenberg, who was the CEO yes, of I the Trudeau. That. It's just like yeah. that's who gets to have a official opinion about Chinese interference are people who have a past with a charity that benefited from this, that took money from Beijing. And there's a there's a report out, by the way, from this new investigative journalism foundation that the Trudeau Foundation spent somewhere between $1 to $2.8 million less than they were required to on charity work. Wow. Okay. And, and you know, there's a larger question here. And I guess the, the anti-Trudeau or whatever, the conservative complaint, the characterization is that this is sort of like a phony charity that, like, it basically exists in this way that allows people to give money to Trudeau without giving money to Trudeau. And that 
whatever good works they're doing, it all benefits the Trudeau name, which benefits Justin Trudeau. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a difference. Like, I don't think he's getting the money himself, but it burnishes the brand. I think you could say with certainty that there is promotional value for the Trudeau mm -hmm. name in mm -hmm. the good works of right. the Trudeau Foundation. Right. I don't think does. he's getting money. Uh, I think he's no. getting burnishing. There's this kind of like, I don't want to say slush fund, but there's this charity. It's got a lot of money and mm -hmm. money moves around and who knows. And when there's like a million to $2.8 million unaccounted for that was supposed to be spent on charity, that sort of like adds to the narrative. And it's a problem. The whole board resigned, right? The whole board of yeah. the Trudeau Foundation resigned because of this complicated donation that they couldn't explain that came from Chinese sources, right? It looks so bad. Right. Matt Gurney published, I think, the most generous to the Trudeau reading that you can come up with, which is that like maybe they're just incompetent because the story that Johnston is telling and that the Trudeau government is telling is – we did not have intent to block the investigation of this interference. We did not help the interference or turn a blind eye. We're just incompetent. Like that's the best yeah. it could possibly be is that all of these different players, whether it's alerting Michael Chong to interference or whether it's Bill Blair failing to act on CSIS intelligence or Trudeau himself failing to act on CSIS intelligence, we just – screwed the pooch on this. But he doesn't blame Trudeau. He blames everybody else. He blames the media, mm -hmm. which, of course, I think is wrong because they did the best job they could and we wouldn't even be here if it weren't for those, those investigative pieces in the Globe and Mail and in Global. He blames CSIS and he wants to hunt down the whistleblowers. So, you know, everybody, everybody but the people that, you know, appointed me to this. And then there's something else that I noticed when I was looking at this. He's put in a catch-22. So he's going to go forward with this so-called inquiry, which he will control. Everything's going to be secret. Anything interesting will be secret. But here's this interesting catch-22 that he slipped in. It said that the opposition party leaders must seek top security clearance to view the part of the report that it was not public, but then they are constrained by the Security of Information Act. They have to promise if they're going to be allowed to read the secret parts of the report, there's a whole bunch of the reports that's secret, if they're going to be allowed to see it, they have to promise never to speak about it. Isn't that something? It's really something. Hey, if you don't trust me and my findings here, anybody can review this. Anybody can look at this. The opposition parties can look at this. They just have to first agree not to say anything Yeah, so then we'll never know. It's a very strange message to the public. It's like, yeah, they are aggressively fucking with our democracy. Yeah. But it's all private stuff that we can't really talk about with you, and the government hasn't acted improperly. Trust me. Trust me. It's like a cop at a murder scene, and they've put up a screen so you can't see anything. And he goes, and everybody's crowding around trying to look, and he's saying, nothing to see here, folks. Keep moving on. Nothing to see here. Keep moving on. And, and so we have this huge problem of Chinese interference, but we're getting this screen up, and then we're getting the special rapper, as you call him, saying, nothing to see here, folks. The Chinese government couldn't have asked for a better ally. The Toronto Star reports that, like, Chinese community members who have been complaining and asking for help about interference from Beijing into Canadian public life feel completely dismissed by this finding. Right. And I don't think he even talked to them. Boy, if he was one of my students, F. <laughs> <laughs> the outcome of this, Jan, like, 
this is a stick that Polyev is going to bang on Trudeau's head like every day. The only explanation for why why Trudeau did what it looks like he did and engineered this to come to this conclusion, which is like it's not like a politically good outcome for him. The only explanation I can conceive of is that it's better than the other potential outcome, which is what if they are guilty? Mm. Like it's a little bit better than a public inquiry coming to the conclusion that the Liberal Party of Canada was aware at several points of urgent messaging from the intelligence community that Beijing was interfering in our democracy, but that interference helped them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the the title of Sam Cooper's book, Willful Blindness, Mm -hmm. at some point it became an active thing. And this has gone on for years and years. Maybe it was I became a part of the culture of the Liberal Party to be kind of like, let's just sort of ignore. It's been happening for a long time, and maybe it got to the point where, like, it actually became, in certain cases, like, maybe there's something really bad, (laughs) you know? Like, that's the only thing I can think of that would explain. As a cover-up, this is, like, the worst cover-up. Like, it's so ugly. Could be just stupidity or only thinking one chess move ahead, like, oh, let's not have anybody say that we did something wrong and not looking two chess moves ahead, like like you do, or Pierre Polyev, right? (laughs) I'm not comparing the two of you. Don't worry. I can't tell if I was just complimented or insulted. (laughs) I always make the mistake of thinking that things matter in Canada. You know, like, how can this possibly? I I, I coin out. I sputter. And the the public ultimately kind of just like, eh, May 2-4 weekend, whatever. They made it impossible for the Canadian public to ever find out what's going on. And this is a very serious, very real, very ongoing problem. This episode is brought to everybody by Squarespace. You ever made a website? Are you kidding? No, of course not. <laughs> Why is that a joke? You could make a website with Squarespace. It's really hard for me to even remember PIN numbers. I mean, if you could select a line of text that says template website and then hit backspace and then like write Jan's website, then you can make a website with Squarespace. Oh, okay. I would really love that. I think you should give it a whirl. All of your books could live there. You could sell your books. You could let people know where you're doing readings, what's what you're up to. You could blog. Oh, Who knows where it might go. You could become an influencer and then you plug in your social media (laughs) accounts. You could have special member areas where you have like bonus content for your super fans. I see this all. You sold me, except I don't have any super fans. (laughs) Not yet because you don't have a Squarespace website. You play the flute. You could include (laughs) flute content. There could be bonus flute content on Jan Wong's (laughs) website. I'm telling you, check out squarespace.com slash Canadaland, Jan, for a free trial. When you're ready to launch, use the offer code Canadaland to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hmm, sounds good. Jan, we're going to duly note some stories that people should be paying more attention to. What do you have for us? Well, it's winding down to the end of Asian Heritage Month. And every year, I feel quite ambivalent about this. I feel like, how come I just get a month and all you guys get the whole year? But I also feel like, <laughs> I also feel like, like, can I get a discount at Walmart this month? Or how about free on-street parking? Like, it seems so empty. And, you know, all this cultural stuff. Now, I understand it's serious because things happen. Bad stuff happened. Like, this is the 100th anniversary of the Chinese Exclusion Act Mm -hmm. passed in 1923 when they slammed the door shut on Chinese. And, of course, 
Japanese Canadians were interned during World War II, and this ship full of people, Sikhs and Muslims from India, were turned away from Vancouver after keeping them floating in the harbor for several months without giving them enough food and water. So I understand why, but I feel like Asian Heritage Month is all about like happy dancing and, you know, we'll get authors to talk. So I feel, I just feel very strange about it. I don't know what to do with this. It's like some well-meaning white person decided to give me a month and I don't know what to do with it. (laughs) Well, let me tell you what to do with it. (laughs) (laughs) Duly noted. I want to duly note just a quick update to our our story last week, which went into some detail about how the conservative leader was forming a massive campaign against the safe supply or safer supply program, one of the measures to try to deal with the opioid epidemic. And he was mounting this massive campaign to try to end it on the basis of a extremely flawed piece of reporting in the National Post. And I wanted to update a a couple points of that. One is that Adam Zivo... The author of that piece, though he did not respond to the criticism, which was widely shared, (laughs) I I did note that as he continues to write about this new opioid epidemic that he described, the safer supply hydromorphone drugs are becoming the new opioid epidemic, he softened his language. So whereas Mm -hmm. he he wrote with certainty in the 11,000-word piece that there is this new, this it's as big as OxyContin, it's a flood, it's a geyser, he's now using language like, it appears to be a new crisis. So I guess that's the level of, that's the corrections policy. <laughs> that's the correction, right? But more more importantly, I, I was kind of speculating like, wow, we actually might get policy that is based on this very flawed National Post reporting. And sure enough, last week, Pierre Polyev went from a campaign to a motion calling on the liberal government to halt all programs providing non-toxic drugs to those suffering with addictions (sighs) and redirecting funding to treatment services, essentially rehab and detox. Crime, chaos, drugs, and disorder rage in our streets. (laughs) Wow, sad. Et cetera, et cetera. Duly noted. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, It's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away, but often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. 
It is a mattress that sleeps cool. It doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer. And it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. Can we talk about the mayoral election in Toronto here? Yeah, I'd love to. It's so exciting. All around the country, people are like, oh, fuck, here goes the Toronto Centre. <laughs> but they're not going to turn it off, are they? They're not going to turn it off. No, they got to listen. They hate us for talking about ourselves, but they can't They can't turn away from it either. <laughs> We're like a car crash. <laughs> no, this is exciting. It's not the same old, same old. This is going to be a It's really fun race. I, I just like was a little bit checked out of it and then kind of came back into focus when I started to read this like chorus of polling and articles. Basically, it's a fait accompli. Olivia Chow is the undisputed front runner. I'm like, what? 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 Okay. Well, I, I have to tell you, I'm supporting Olivia Chow. And okay. I can say this, and this is an interesting journalism thing. I couldn't ever say anything for years and years and years if I'm actively reporting, but I'm not. And I'm so excited because I can actually say I'm supporting her. So you think this is a, a media kind of chorus? I was watching it and she didn't get much attention until she sort of burst ahead in the polls. That's it. I was kind of feeling like one of those blasts from the past things where I'm like, she did not seem like a strong candidate. Last time I heard her in a debate, I'm like, wow, I was expecting a lot more of a polished political performance from from somebody who's been in the game as long as, as mm-hmm. her. And then she got trounced and I thought, I guess that's it for her. You're talking about previous race, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. So I, I was like, okay, I guess if she wants to run again, but there were like, you know, other people know. with similar politics who seemed a lot fresher. So exactly. I was just not expecting to see her name at the top of the polls. Yeah, me too. I didn't know. I mean, I know her, but I'm not close. And when she threw her name in the hat, I thought, oh. And then when this other guy, Gil Penalosa, who was this maverick character mm-hmm. in the previous election, he's he's not a politician, but he's a city planner and he's done all kinds of things. When he threw his support to her, I, I started sitting up and paying attention. And then I started paying more attention to Olivia Chow. And I went, I think I'm going to support her. Because I like what she's saying. Also, you know, there's a hun- over 100 candidates running for <laughs> Toronto Mayor. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't run, Jesse. You and I could have uh, each run, and then, I don't know, we could have written about it. If this guy Brad Bradford can run, then I may- maybe could have run. I want to tell you, you know, this is a little digression here. Yeah, I got to digress, too. I got to digress, too. You you go first. And then. Right. <laughs> so Brad Bradford, I don't know, he's like, what, number five or six in the poll? Like, yeah. Not a fringe candidate. He's not going to win, but— he was out there, and he was making the case about the housing crisis, and he had they always have these anecdotes. I know his he, friend he, Paul. He had a, his friend Paul, best he, friend, best well, friend. Well, it didn't start off that way. It started off as like as like he knows that there's this guy, there's this yes. guy, Paul, <laughs> and Paul's an example of how bad the situation is. Paul's out there, and he's got to spend a thousand dollars for some basement apartment. He can't afford to live anywhere else. Can't even afford to move. And then it comes out. Earlier this week, that Paul is his childhood friend, and the basement in which Paul is living is Brad Bradford's basement. Brad is his landlord. I know, but I got a Brad Bradford story. All right. So when I was working undercover for a series on minimum wage, and I was a maid, 
And <laughs> I had to find an apartment. And you went I, all in on that one, huh? Nobody yeah, I went this all kind of in. And one of the people I called, one of the people whose ad I answered was Brad Bradford. <laughs> Come on. I'm not kidding. And it was, I think, for a basement apartment because I had to get something super cheap because I was working as a maid. And everything, even then, I don't know, this is 15 years ago. I don't remember when. It was really expensive. And I remember that I went to see and it was so crappy I didn't want it. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So that's my memory. It's got to be the same guy. It has to be the same guy. If made mayor, predatory landlords, such as myself. (laughs) (laughs) If he's made mayor, I'm going to rent his basement apartment just to hang out and watch him. (laughs) That's just amazing. Okay, let's get back to Olivia Chow. Okay. So this is what I think. This is why it's so delicious. And this is why people who are not in Toronto can vicariously enjoy this with us. Because John Tory in the previous election, which was like last year, he swept to power (laughs) with a tiny majority of a splinter of voters because no one bothered to vote. It was so boring. And then like 10 minutes later, Doug Ford gave him superpowers as a mayor. Mm Mm-hmm. And superpowers in terms of real estate developers, and we can do all this, and you can fire people, and you don't need a majority of the votes on city council to pass stuff, important stuff. You only need a third. So it was shocking, right? We found this out after this so-called mini-sweep. But then, another 10 minutes later, John Tory drops his pants in his office and has an affair with one of his staffers, which in the Me Too era is not on. It's fine if he wants to, you know, have it with his neighbor like Mike Harris did years ago because she didn't work for him in his office. So all of this has blown up. Is that known or is this like the latest, like the latest one can possibly drop a bombshell about Mike Harris? Like, is this finally coming out now? Oh, no. I did the story years ago and it came out. Okay. And (laughs) no, no, no. We we reported it. You're just We've we've got the Mike Harris scoop. You're too young. (laughs) So now we have as the front runner a woman actually who looks like me. <laughs> Finally, you know, after decades of white people, it's just really fun. And she's she's left, whereas Tory was right. So but the hold whole on, thing, hold on, hold okay. on. The National Post published a report on Monday that Olivia Chow was meeting with organizations that support Beijing's positions in Canada. Okay, that's really interesting because she's got some lefty supporters really worried. Mm-hmm. So she drops in to this lunch and she says, hi, and I listened to the tape of her speech. And she said, hi, guys, let me tell you about the Chinese Exclusion Act. And she's not speaking in Chinese because she doesn't actually speak Mandarin. She speaks Cantonese. And they speak Mandarin because they're from the mainland. So mm-hmm. she needs an interpreter. She's speaking in English. They're translating. Yeah, when, when that National Post story came out, I was like, why are you even reporting this? Politicians go all the time to Chinese banquets and hope they get the vote. She's running for mayor of all Toronto. Of course, she's going to make campaign pit stops. And I just said, hashtag racism, because I really think it's a double standard. If you ask her about Chinese interference, and we know it's happening, you got to ask everybody. You got to ask all the can. Ask Brad Bradford, you know, 
What's happening with him? So I agree, and it's it's like this: we can only hold one idea at a time. Like, like, can we actually get serious about China and about the government? Obviously, there's a problem in our democracy without getting into some peril situation where where like Asian candidates are like worthy of news coverage if they like buy chili crisp in the grocery store. <laughs> exactly, and they gave her a big ass ugly pause, as if this is like equivalent to getting a vacation on a super yacht and <laughs> island hopping. It's like, you have, <laughs> like you the have relevance to pay of the ugliness. It's like not a nice vase. <laughs> and she's the last person that would be influenced by Chinese interference. Why are they inviting her? Because she's a front runner. Duh. They've got to now deal with her if she wins. So I just think there's so many interesting angles to this mayoral race. And I I just think it's going to be so interesting to watch. I mean, it's still a month out, right? It's also fun to watch candidates like, you know, the former police chief. It's nice that Doug Ford can't just install Mark Saunders, like, or, or at least that's seeming difficult. That's what he's trying to do, and it's not working. And after all these years of of the Fords sort of running our lives and stomping on us. It's so nice to see this powerlessness as people actually wake up and go, wait, Olivia Chow's running? What's she saying? Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> All right, I'm going to keep an open mind. I was not impressed last time I saw her. Oh, you have to watch the debates. There's debates. All right. And they're all attacking her, which is really hilarious because then she gets 50% of all the talking time. I have a question for uh, you, Olivia. Well, my question is to Olivia. All right, I'm, I'm plugging in. I'm going to check this out. <laughs> Jan Wong, that is Shortcuts. Thank you. Thank oh, you it's me. so much fun always. We are on Twitter at CanadaLand. I can be emailed, jesse at canadaland.com. I read them all. Jen, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter. I'm like the last person still there. I'm at Writer Wong. I'm still on Twitter, too. This episode is produced <laughs> by Aviva Lassard with additional production by Caleb Thompson. Our managing editor is Annette Ajofor. Our theme music is by So Called, syndication by CFUV, 101.9 FM in Victoria. You can visit them online at CFUV.ca. Listen, if you value this podcast, this is the time to support us. We are coming up on our 10th birthday, and we are offering an incredible promotion just for like a very short window. And we just, we rely on it. We rely on listeners like you uh, paying for journalism, and we want to give you our very best perks and stuff at a price that is only going to be available for a few days. Check it out. Go to canadaland.com slash join or click the link in the show notes and you will be helping to keep journalism alive in Canada. Hey, quick message for you. If you happen to be in Toronto this weekend, Saturday, May 27th, we are going to be opening the doors of our brand new newsroom and podcast studio. We're participating in Doors Open Toronto. You can come find us at the 401 Richmond building, the corner of Richmond and Spadina in Toronto. And we will be introducing Canada Land's version of Speaker's Corner. We're going to set up a sound booth for everybody to share your thoughts with us, and we'll figure out what to do with them later. Head to canadaland.com slash door open to learn more about this event. You can listen ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Thank you for supporting Canada Land. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. 
because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns, so you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.